0: What is a pirate's favorite animal? Arg, varks. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, Riotcast.com. I need to
1: touch it. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose I've got the leprosy of the heart valve Exacerbating my incredible woes I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave An ultrasonic, echographic, and a saber. shave I want a magic pill for all my ailments The health equivalent of Citizen Kane And if I don't get it now in the tablet I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane I want a requiem for my disease Dr.
0: Steve. Dr. Steve.
1: It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve. And this is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the Internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. This is a voicemail. We will uh, either play your uh, call or not, but I will usually uh, text you back if you call by cell phone. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. And you can follow us at on Twitter at Weird Medicine, Weird Med Show, which is nothing but show related content lady diagnosis or dr scott wm anyway all right uh thank you for being with us today or for <laughs> us <laughs> i guess that's the royal us um I, I i'm gonna have to do a quick one today this is work related and uh, as you know if you've listened to this show for a long time i have a lot of wear a different a lot of different hats and This is uh, uh, one of them, one of the more important ones as far as I'm concerned, but uh, sometimes my other jobs get in the way. So uh, I'm going to have to make this one quick this week, and we'll be back hopefully to a regular schedule next week or the week after. It may be the week after. I've got um, a kid's birthday party this week when I'm supposed to be uh, recording, so we may have to put it off another week. But uh, I'll try to have something good for you, maybe a best of. We've got a new intern coming, and it's – uh, Cliff from The uh, Funniest Person the Tri-Cities turns out that um, he, um, uh, for those of you that saw that, uh, he was one of the finalists. And uh, he needed uh, an intern credit, and uh, so he's going to be our intern. So he's uh, entertaining, and uh, I'm going to get him to cut up some best-ofs that are theme-based for his uh, final project. And uh, we'll play some of those here as well. Uh, Don't forget stuff.drsteve.com. Please do use that. It helps keep uh, Riotcast and Weird Medicine on the air. That's stuff.drsteve.com. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of links on there. Just click through those. And um, uh, there's also some uh, uh, show-related items on there that if you heard something on the show – And if there's something that you heard on the show that you can't find, let me know and I'll put it on there. It's stuff.drsteve.com. Tweakedaudio.com has the best earbuds on the uh, market for the price. Use offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, for 33% off uh, any purchase. And that's a huge discount. It's insane. I don't even – I don't even know if we make anything off of that. I don't know how we how they could afford to pay us anything after they take 33% off. But uh, we really like them. And they're a Tennessee-based uh, business as well, which I didn't know until recently. Check out Dr. Scott's uh, herbal website. It's simplyherbals.net. And um, if you are interested in going back and hearing old shows and premium content, which there is a little bit of premium content, I'm not going to lie, it isn't a lot, uh, but for a buck ninety nine a month, you can uh, go to premium.drsteve.com, and then uh, you can have access to all of our shows uh, going back to uh, the beginning. And uh, the other thing that you can do with that is use that in concert with the Weird Medicine app that you can get on the iTunes Store or uh, Google Play Store, and it really integrates very well with the premium program. All right? So anyway, thank you for that. Um, shingles vaccine. You know, there's a lot of uh, vaccines that are recommended for children. I'm getting this from sciencebasedmedicine.org uh, to give credit where credit is due. Um, there, you know, there aren't that many vaccines just for adults. And uh, uh, pertussis vaccine is one that adults can get. Uh, tetanus vaccine is another one that adults must get. Tetanus is a, I've only seen one case of that in my career. And uh, uh, they say 10 to 20% fatality from uh, getting tetanus. I think it's higher than that. Uh, But that's what they say. And that's, I mean, that is a huge number. Uh, AKA lockjaw. Tetanus gets its name because it causes uh, tetany, which is uh, a contraction or spasm of the muscles that won't let go. And so they call it lock jaw because you get tetany of the uh, facial muscle. They can't open your jaw. But usually you're so sick uh, that's not an issue for you at that point. It would be an issue for the person examining you because they can't open your mouth because you have tetany of the uh, facial muscles. Anyway, so uh, get your damn tetanus vaccine. I had somebody the other day ask me if it's a problem if they get one before 10 years because you're supposed to get one every 10 years. And uh, our... um, Uh, protocol was if you get a wound and you don't know when your last tetanus shot was, go ahead and get a tetanus shot and then write that down and then get one 10 years later. If you know when you got your tetanus shot and you get a dirty wound, five years is good. If you get a filthy wound, in other words, you uh, fall in a a cow pasture and you uh, put your hands straight out and you fall into a cow patty that also has Uh, a nail that's sticking straight up and it pierces your hand and uh, contaminates the wound with cow fecal matter, doesn't matter when you had your last tetanus shot, get another one right then. And there are protocols for these things. So if you're not sure, ask your primary care. But anyway, um, the shingles vaccine is one of those adult uh, vaccines that, and I can't think of another one uh, that's really only offered to adults. And uh, it's, um, there's a new shingles vaccine that's been added to the schedule for adults over the age of 50. And um, uh, this is called Shingrix, which is hard to say. And, um, and the other one is Zostavax, which was released in 2006. So the, why do you want to get a shingles vaccine? Well, let's talk about shingles for a minute. Shingles is uh, also known as herpes zoster. So it is in, in the chickenpox virus which causes shingles is in the herpes family. And so what does herpes do? It hides in your um, nervous system in these things called ganglia. And then it comes out every once in a while, right? And so if you have genital herpes, those uh, herpes simplex viruses will hide in these ganglia. And then when you get stressed or whatever the other trigger is, they come out and then cause um, a cold sore on your mouth, or they cause blisters on your dick or vagina or other places. Um, and if it happens on your hand, what's the name? Uh, GVAC used to know this one. It is, if you got it, if you said herpy, herpetic Whitlow. Oh shit. Let's try that again. If you said herpetic Whitlow, give yourself a bill. That would be correct. Um, uh, so, uh, so the this chickenpox is a herpes vax or a virus it's in the herpes family and uh, after you get your chickenpox outbreak your primary outbreak uh, you will um, often have chickenpox vaccine retreating to some place in the nervous system and hide until you're my age and um, start having a decreased immune system or whatever it is that triggers it and it will come out usually just one time and then your immune system gets revved up again and then it can't do it again. Now people that have recurrent shingles uh, may have actually have herpes rather than recurrent shingles or they may have an issue with their immune system that's allowing this thing to come out. Well, anyway, um, so, you know, you develop immunity and, um, this varicella virus persists in the nerve sense, uh, uh, cells of the sensory ganglia and can be reactivated. And so you say, okay, well, who gives a shit? Um, can I transmit shingles to somebody else? The answer is no. You could give somebody else chicken pox if they've never had chicken pox before. But you can't give them shingles. So, okay, so who cares? You know why you care? Because this virus is a is a... Son of a bitch, because it um, as it retreats, it leaves behind uh, nerve cells that are damaged and they will send pain fibers to the brain. And about 50% of people uh, it, it will have uh, what's called post herpetic neuralgia. And uh, it'll usually last a month or two, but in about 20% of the cases, it'll last for longer than a year, sometimes for the rest of their life. And it can be painful, and particularly if you get shingles of the head. And shingles, oh, by the way, how do you recognize shingles? Well, it'll be poxy-looking blisters, red, painful, burning blisters uh, uh, that follow one nerve root. So it'll be, uh, if you have it on your chest, It'll be uh, uh, often coming from the nerve root that comes out of the spinal column, and will wrap around the ribs and it'll follow the ribs, kind of spread out, and it's wherever that nerve, single nerve root goes. But if it's the uh, facial nerve, then it'll or trigeminal nerve, it'll be all over your face, and uh, sometimes these things can get in your eye. Uh, they can swell up um, uh, the. Uh, uh, Nerve root as it's coming out of the skull and cause Bell's palsy if it hits the facial nerve, which is a one-sided weakness of the face, can suck. So um, uh, you once you get postherpetic neuralgia, there's treatments for it, but there's no cure. It's just got to go away on its own. So it'd be nice to be able to prevent that it uh, decreases productivity and decreases quality of life for a lot of people. So doing the shingles vaccine to rev up the nervous system, or, I'm sorry, the immune system so that you don't get shingles or if you do get shingles, you get in a, a milder form uh, would be a nice thing. So anyway, uh, the incidence of shingles is about four cases per thousand people per, for, per year. But if you uh, narrow it down to people 60 and older, it's 10 cases per thousand people per year. So it's about 0.1% of people will get it. And of those people that get that, about 1% of those uh, will be hospitalized for complications. So 0.01 uh, uh, will be hospitalized. Uh, there is a fatality rate for shingles, believe it or not, it's 0.28 per million population. It's mostly the elderly and people who are immunocompromised, meaning chemotherapy patients, patients with HIV and that kind of stuff. Um, In a small percentage of patients, uh, less than 5% will go on to have a second or third episode. So it sucks. So um, we uh, uh, have seen an increase in shingles, and it may be because we're not exposed to chickenpox as much as we used to be because of the chickenpox vaccine. I've never been the biggest fan of the chickenpox vaccine, mainly because chickenpox uh, tends not to be life threatening. And um, although I'm not going to say there are never cases of life threatening chickenpox, because there certainly are, but it tends not to be. And we don't know what's going to happen when these adults grow up with this sort of waning. Um, uh, immunity because they never actually had chicken pox. And if we're going to have a whole bunch of adults who are now, um, uh, at risk of getting chicken pox as adults. Now, when you're a kid and you get chicken pox, it's kind of no big deal when you're an adult and you get chicken pox, it is a big deal. And if you're a, a pregnant adult and you get chicken pox, it can be catastrophic. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, The CDC kind of determined that rates of shingles started increasing before the varicella vaccine was introduced, but and and they didn't accelerate after uh vaccine uh uh, chickenpox vaccine was started. So that theory may not hold water, but it is interesting anyway. Um, so yeah, just get your vaccine. Um, Shingrix doesn't contain live virus. Uh, so, immunocompromised patients can take it. Um, you know, Zostavax contains live varicella virus, and it can't cause full blown chickenpox, but it, it creates immunity every once in a while. Um, we, or well, if you have an immunocompromised patient, these things can cause complications, these live attenuated viruses, so we won't give them. So for people who were on chemo or had immunodeficiencies uh, of some sort, they couldn't get the shingles vaccine. But now with this new one, uh, because it doesn't contain live virus, they can. So um, let's see here. Yeah, so they recommend the Shingrix for all immunocompetent adults age 50 or older, even if they've previously had shingles or Zostavax, so guess what? I'm going to the pharmacy when I finish this show, uh, after I finish my other work that's keeping me from doing a prolonged show this week, and I'm going to go get my Shingrix vaccine. Um, so, but anyway, uh, it is more effective, but it does cause more adverse effects. And um, let me see what their adverse effects they're saying. Uh, only slightly greater than with placebo. Uh, 17% had severe local reactions that uh, prevented normal daily activities for an average of two days. So this would have been pain or rash at the site of uh, injection. Uh, Some people uh, reported uh, muscle pain and fatigue, headache. Oh shit, maybe I won't get this today. I've got to work. 45% of people uh, reported uh, muscle aches and 45% reported fatigue. Now, these were all short-lived. So uh, this stuff really makes an intense immune reaction, apparently, which is good. That's what you want. And so if you can get through the um, the effects of the vaccine, then you should have uh, good immunity. But anyway, so just get the damn thing. Sh- Shingle sucks. It really sucks really, really bad. So, all right. Uh, let's take a few phone calls and see what we got here.
0: Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Matt from Connecticut. Uh, aside from being a 38-year-old guy with a gut and shit like that, <laughs> trying to be healthier, and I've noticed that my shin, basically if you have your shin bone and and you kind of my right leg and you kind of look at the, basically go from the shin bone and go like 11 o'clock on the dial, that would be... That's kind of numb from almost my knee down to my foot. So there's like a two-inch wide section by about a foot and a half. Or maybe I'm giving myself a little something there. But it's numb. I can feel pressure, but when I scratch it or whatever, I have nothing. Is this something I should be worried about? Uh, If you could play that on the podcast, I'd appreciate it. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, this is a nerve compression, uh, some sort of neuropathy. There are, um, there's this thing called the peroneal nerve. And when you get a severe neuropathy of that, it can actually cause foot drop. But in some people, uh, this, um, since it's 11 o'clock, I'm assuming that he means on the outside. So, uh, uh, so that would be on the outside of the left knee, would be at 11 o'clock, would be the lateral sural cutaneous nerve. And that, um, uh, if if it's compressed, uh, will cause numbness in that area. So um, most of the time this is caused by uh, some sort of trauma. Um, it could be musculoskeletal injury or nerve traction, compression, laceration, stuff like that. Uh, Every once in a while, you can get a mononeuropathy from um, uh, diabetes. So I would get my blood sugar checked. Uh, If this really bothers you, you know, they can do a a test of the nerves to see where the uh, compression is happening. Um, uh, It could even be as high as in the hip around the uh, sciatic nerve. So, um, you know... um, that's most likely what's causing this. Those nerves can grow back. Uh, The peripheral sensory nerves can grow back. It may take uh, six to 12 months, but you got to stop whatever is causing the compression in the first place. So see your primary care and uh, uh, tell them that you think you have a uh, peroneal uh, nerve uh, injury (laughs) and they can work you up if it's bothering you. Now, if, you can live with it you may i would still tell your primary care but you may be able to avoid a more expensive workup if if just telling you that's what it is but if it starts to expand if all of a sudden uh you you have a, a droopy foot or you're tripping over yourself more frequently or uh the numbness is starting to expand down the leg or up into the thigh then absolutely uh, you want to get that uh, uh, worked up, and the way they would do that is through an electromyogram, which is a needle test that they stick in you. A uh, neurologist generally will do this, although physiatrists can do them as well, and some other people. Uh, they stick a needle in that's attached to an oscilloscope, and they look for um, a fasciculation of of the n- nerves. In other words, twitching that that shows that the nerve has been disconnected or the muscle's been disconnected from the nerve. And then they can march it back if they know the anatomy and you can see where that nerve starts to pick back up again and you can pinpoint where the uh, uh, where the, where the compression occurs. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, um, yeah, I totally get that um, uh, blood sugar check, though. Every once in a while we'll see a, mo- uh, a mononeuropathy. That is a single nerve that's affected by people with diabetes. All right.
0: Hey, Steve, I have a couple of questions. Uh, you talk about hypnotic sleep medications. What about over the counter like Unisom? Are those really dangerous? Are there any alternatives besides just melatonin? And also I get a medication from a small compounding pharmacy, which is owned by the doctor. He's always in there checking it out and makes a lot of money off of that. Yeah. One of the medications is a, uh, compounded refrigerated medication and uh is there any way they could be possibly either messing up the medication or not keeping it refrigerated or sure they'd kind of make their stuff on their own if i had some questions and concerns about the medication and uh maybe them not having a generator there uh, when the yeah. pirate was out here during a storm and Yeah. All the stuff not working and now I'm getting screwed over by them or is that me being paranoid because the medication kind of worked and seemed like it didn't work and I got a medication that was prescribed for me, a different dosage that they accidentally gave to me and it seemed like it worked a lot better.
1: Yeah. Um Yes, to all of the above. Yes, you're probably being paranoid, but yes, things can happen. And it's not just compounding pharmacies. I've gotten stuff from my regular pharmacy. They even have a robot that does, you know, fills the bottles up. And every once in a while, uh, uh, very rarely, and I I think our pharmacists pretty much ensure one of the safest drug supplies in the world. You know, to make sure that our patients are getting what they're supposed to be getting, and they catch physicians' errors uh and you know they counsel patients and you know on their medications and those kinds of things. so I really think that we have a very safe medication supply, but they any pharmacist will tell you, heck they can make a mistake, so it's okay to ask them and if you get home and you look at your pills and they don't look right it's okay to call them and they can check the numbers every once in a while. the manufacturer just changes the color. Or, uh, but the the numbers on the uh, uh, the markings that are on those pills will I- clearly identify them, and you can see if they're the right thing or not. Uh, but yeah, I think it's okay. You could say this stuff used to work; it's not working anymore. Uh, you know, is there any possibility that um, that I didn't get the right thing, or if I didn't, maybe I just need uh, you know them to up the dose. So the thing that we were talking about hypnotic uh, sleep. Medications is that there's an increase risk of all cause mortality in people who take hyp- hypnotic sleep medications, and those would include um, the benzodiazepine-like sleep aids and uh, the uh, non-benzodiazepine hypnotic sleep aids, like you know Ambien and Lunesta and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm just reading from a journal: hypnotic drug risks of mortality, infection, depression, and cancer, but lack of Benefits. So, um, uh, the hypnotic drugs increase all cause mortality. It says use of hypnotic drugs is associated prospectively. That you remember, prospective data is pr- is better data than retrospectively so looking back and and just looking at charts is not as uh, good as evidence as saying we're going to start with a cohort of, uh, of 1,000 people and follow them over time uh, with greatly increased risk of all-cause mortality. Some of this mortality has been documented as deaths called by caused by hypnotics by medical examiners attributed to respiratory arrest revol- resulting from quote-unquote overdose. However, it's likely that many deaths from respiratory depression occur among patients never seen by coroners, especially when the death is caused by a combination of hypnotics With other contributing factors so that the lethal hypnotic dosage may by itself have been within the current customary dosage ranges. In other words, taking, you know, that two milligram clonopin, if you had emphysema or congestive heart failure may have pushed you over the edge, uh, even though that's a normal dose. Uh, in addition to respiratory depression, hypnotics appear to be causally related to serious illnesses and premature deaths from cancer, serious infections, mood disorders, ac- accidental injuries, suicides, and homicides. So damn. So um, um, I have pledged to get off my hypnotics. I was on uh, this medication called lunestin. I was on three milligrams, and I thought I needed it to sleep. And I cut it down to two. And I did okay. I cut it down to one, and then I started cutting the milligram tablets in half to a half milligram, which basically at that point is a homeopathic dose. In other words, the dose is so small it probably wasn't doing anything. But I was psychologically felt, God, i got to have that. And I still kept taking it even though I intellectually knew it probably wasn't doing me any good. And uh, eventually I just said, oh, fuck it, and <laughs> and uh, just didn't renew my prescription and bit the bullet and since I didn't have it, I couldn't take it, and it was actually quite easy to stop it. So I had one sort of bad night where I think my body was still sort of looking for it. But then after that, I was OK. So I am um, uh, really trying to stay off the hypnotics just for the, this reason. So uh, so that's the background behind his question. The, uh, the real question he asked, though, is what about the over-the-counter stuff? And as far as we know – Taking anticholinergic medications, which most of the over-the-counter sleep aids, with the exception of melatonin, are uh, don't have an increased risk of mortality. Now, if you take chronic uh, uh, anticholinergic medication, these are medications like Benadryl and Vistaril and things like that that cause dry mouth and can cause uh, the heart to beat faster, have been associated with an increased risk of dementia. And I don't, I'm not. 100% sure that it's, um, you know, rigorously proven, but there is an association between taking anticholinergic medicines every night and an increased risk of dementia. So uh, I, I I can't just say, yeah, just do that instead. Now, Unisom is, ben, is a drug that used to be called Bendectin. It's now called another thing. It was taken off the market because they were worried that it may cause birth defects. It was actually proven not to be associated with birth defects, but was never put back on the market for pregnant women. Uh, And it's a reasonably effective medication. Uh, If you're going to do melatonin, keep the doses low. You don't need a lot. There are some studies that say 0.5 milligrams of melatonin is plenty. You can buy it as much as 10 milligrams over the counter. Uh, but a 2.5 milligram melatonin gummy – and you, you all know my feelings about the marketing of gummies to adults. I don't mind the gummies themselves because I really do think particularly in the case of melatonin, you get good absorption of the drug because the 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 delivery system, this sort of gel uh, thing, uh, just dissolves, right? You take a pill – Sometimes the drug can bind to the clay that's in there, and the clay's got a, a big surface area, and it, the drug just can't get out of there. But the uh, gummies, that's not the case. So, uh, Dr. Scott and I are both convinced, without any proof whatsoever, other than our own experience, that the gummies work better. I just don't like the marketing when they call them Vita Craves. Like, I, I, I crave. The the gummy because it's so tasty and I wouldn't take a vitamin otherwise. I don't care about my health. I just want it to taste oh it pisses me off. Um oh they they made my my vitamin in a delicious gummy and they, the person's holding it up like they're so excited. Stop with the marketing of the fucking gummies to adults. It's sickening. Anyway, but that's not to say that the delivery system itself is not a good delivery system. And I think even in vitamins, sometimes vitamins are poorly absorbed when you make them in capsules or pills. But when you make it in a gummy, that gummy is going to disappear, leaving the molecule behind. There's nothing for that molecule to hide behind, so I don't think it's a bad idea. Anyway, uh, so but melatonin gummies, 2.5 milligrams is a decent starting dose. If you've been used to taking hypnotics, if you've been on – uh, Ambien. For the last five years, you're going to have some withdrawal when you get off of that. So I would recommend tapering off of that. And if you just take melatonin, the first night that you didn't take your 10 milligram Ambien, you're going to be pissed. Uh, it's not going to work very well for you. So talk to if you want to get off the hypnopa uh, hypnotics hypnotics, the hypnotics. Talk to your primary care or whoever is prescribing them for you, and just ask them to do a nice slow taper over a period of about six weeks, and you should be able to get off of them without uh, going through a big withdrawal and without a lot of pain. Uh, but I, I am a bigger fan of the melatonin. It appears to be safe and not associated with naughty things, unlike the anticholinergics. But in a pinch, you're, you've are you taken a, a, a trip to Hawaii, or you're coming back from Europe and you can't get your um, – your uh, clock set and your primary care doesn't want to write you a prescription for sleep medication, taking an over-the-counter sleep aid with or without a melatonin to reset your uh, biological clock, I think is an okay thing to do. All right. Um, let's do this one and we'll get out of here.
0: Hey, guys. Ooh, is there a limit to how many times I can call this number and ask a question? No. Because I may have exceeded that.
1: No, just ask Stacy. There's no limit.
0: Um so I have carpal tunnel self diagnosed myself but um so I get the tingling in the fingertips and all that but there are times when I could just be sitting there and um, sometimes it seems that it has something to do with my posture cuz I have really bad posture and if I sit up straight it, goes it feels away. like it it gets better Uh-oh. and then so that makes me think maybe of tension nerves in the neck or some
1: Yeah um so, let's talk about that for a second. So, carpal tunnel is a, um, a neuropathy. That's co- we call it a compression neuropathy because it's caused by compression of the nerve in the wrist in the carpal tunnel, which is the tunnel of the wrist. If you think about it, how to look at your wrist? How are nerves and blood vessels going to get from the arm? You know the. For, well, from the spinal cord down the arm and then into the hand. they got to go through, and you feel it. that doesn't feel like there's any place for them to do that. Well, in that mushy place on the wrist that's on the same side of the wrist as the palm is, that's where the carpal tunnel is. And uh, those, those um, structures flow through there to get to the hand. And if you play piano or you type a lot and you build up the muscles in there, they can actually decrease the... Um, space that those nerves have to pass through there, and you'll get numbness and tingling of the thumb, uh, first finger, and half of the, um, no, thumb, first finger, second finger, and half of the fourth finger. And then um, you can get the same thing if you get a compression of the funny bone, which is the nerve that passes through the uh, elbow. That's called ulnar neuropathy, and that's what I have. And they're actually uh, – I don't have time to go through all of this. we got about a minute 44 before the music stops. If you'll look online and just search for exercises for carpal tunnel or exercises for ulnar neuropathy or cubital tunnel syndrome, that's what I have. I've actually found those to be quite effective uh, for my really, really terrible uh, ulnar neuropathy. And um, they, they have a lot to do with just re-stretching uh, the uh, – the nerves so that they're moving around in those tunnels a little bit more freely. And uh, I've, I've had great results with that. So you can try that. But um, if moving your neck changes the symptoms in your hands, you've got to be thinking about a cervical radiculopathy or a pinched nerve in the neck. Because that's where those nerves come from, right? So you've got a a nerve that starts in the bottom part of the neck that goes to the first three fingers. And then a a nerve that's one level down going to the fourth and fifth fingers. So if you pinch the nerve up there, then uh, you'll get those symptoms in the same place. So the way that you find out uh, which way this is going is to get that EMG. And they can trace it up to your neck or to the carpal tunnel itself. And uh, that's the test that needs to be done. So see your primary care and get that taken care of. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.